thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. All right. Hey, everybody. I want to welcome you to tonight's show, people. How we do? So this is Michael W. Smith's song, Freedom. Yeah, it is. Oops, I got to turn that down there. All right. Hey, I want to welcome you to the show tonight. I want to let you know that we are going to cover a lot of very interesting news tonight because that's what we're doing. If you don't know who I am, I am your sweet and lovable host, Stacey Lynn Harp. I host this show with my husband, Randall Pandle Bearface Harp. <laughs> yeah, his name is Bearface. Not legally, but in my heart and in many of your hearts, his name is Bearface. Yeah, it is. Anyway, tonight what we're going to do is we're going to talk about this, this Netflix controversy. Have you seen it? Hashtag cancel Netflix has been trending. And the, the reports are saying that, that they have uh, lost upwards of, I believe it is $9 billion as a result of this. Why? Why are people outraged about what's going on with Netflix? We're going to talk about that tonight. We're also going to talk about a little bit about this uh, virologist who is claiming that COVID-19 was man-made. Yeah. And we're also going to talk about some stuff that happened today at my dad's assisted living, which you may or may not care about. (laughs) But actually, because of last night's show with Tommy, you didn't see last night's show with Tommy Norman, I'm going to tell you why. I did what I did today. So please do me a favor, people. Share this out. Okay? Share this out. And let's lift up the name of the Lord during this show. It's time to push back and tell the devil to go where he belongs. And that would be to hell. Because you know what? The church is rising up and we are standing for what is biblical and true and powerful. And we are on the winning side because you know what? Jesus is coming back. Pastor Jack Hibbs today reported that he baptized almost 1,000 people in the Pacific Ocean. Did you hear that on the news? I don't think so, people. Can you believe it? 1,000 people, Pastor Jack Hibbs is reporting, came down to the Pacific Ocean, Southern California today to, to line up to make a public profession of faith in Jesus. To me, it doesn't get any better than that, people. No, it doesn't. So if you're like me and you're a daughter or a son of the Most High King, be encouraged because our God is on the throne. Prayer is changing things. And uh, you know what? Even though I talked to a guy today who claims that he doesn't think there's any hope for America and he's a Christian, I thought, you know, that's pathetic. (laughs) (laughs) because I think there is hope for America. And even more so, I think there is hope for the church because I think the real church, not the, not the, the, the churchy goers, but the actual disciples, the real followers of Christ, I think are rising up in force. And I think we're going to see 
something in this country that maybe has been well long overdue. And so tonight, let me just say, I'm glad that you're here. Ask you to share this out with whoever you want to share it out with on whatever social media platform. We happen to be on all secular platforms on purpose um, because we believe in fishing for men, not you know, not necessarily just feeding the believer. So do me a favor and share that out. Bareface, how you doing, Bareface? You want to come on on the air? Here? No, I don't, but I will anyway. What? You don't want to come on, <laughs> Bareface? Really? It's not my real name, you know. In my heart it is. I know. You told him that. Yeah. Nice haircut. Thank you. Yeah. I'm in need of one for I'm sure. I'm having a bad hair day myself. <laughs> This is my natural curly mop. Yeah, this it is. is my natural <laughs> straight kind of whatever mop. I think it's long. It actually curls, but um, at least you used to. I haven't had it long in a long time. I think you should. You look cute with it long. But uh, in my teens, when I would grow it down to my shoulders, it would curl with the toward the ends. Just so you know. Good to know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All that, right. That and six fifty will get you a cup of coffee at Starbucks. <laughs> All right. Well, I want I want to start the show out on a personal note. You know, last night my my friend Tommy uh, came on the show. Thank you guys for tuning in for that. I know some of you maybe actually subscribed to YouTube as a result of it. So I want to say thank you for doing that. Um, you know, Tommy and I are of the same generation, and we both have very powerful conversion stories, which is why we are radically sold out to the gospel. And, um, you know, one of the things we talked about last night that I think is really important is that we talked about how the church needs to stand up and, in essence, push back what's going on against us, right? And, you know, there's this myth, and it is a myth, um, that the that if you're a Christian, you should be weak and meek and and you should be pushed around and you should turn the other cheek and let somebody beat the crap out of you. And that's just not biblical. People who claim to be pacifists are not biblical. Uh, there is a time for war. Read Ecclesiastes chapter 3. It says that. There is a time for peace. There's time for war. There is a time to stand up for what you believe. And my friend Virginia Prodan, who was on this show not too long ago, a couple weeks ago, she talked about in her book, Saving My Assassin, how when she was in Romania under house arrest after getting beaten for her faith and interrogated, they sent an assassin to go and kill her. Why? Because she was a believer. That's why. And this this assassin came to her house to kill her, shows up, and the Lord said to Virginia, share the gospel with him. And she did. And he melted. Not literally, but he did melt. And he got up and he left. Later, he became a Christian, and not only a Christian, but a pastor. And he co-wrote part of her book. He wrote a chapter in her book, Saving My Assassin. If you haven't gotten it yet... I would encourage you to get it. When I look over there, I'm looking at my periscope so I can look at comments, just in case you're always wondering what I'm looking over there for now, you know. Um, but here's the thing. In America right now, we have a war. I mean, it's a very visible war of what's going on. And 
it's it's not a civil war in the sense like we had years ago, but it's really a war that is giving the church an opportunity to stand up for what the Lord calls us to stand up for. And one of those things is that the church, you know, is being told by the government, you can't meet. And if you do, you have to follow these guidelines. If you don't, then we're going to find you. We're going to throw you in jail. We're going to threaten you. We're going to bully you. We're going to intimidate you. Well, Virginia, having lived through the same stuff in Romania, came on the show a couple weeks ago and talked about how it's incremental, right? And many years ago, there was a book uh, written by Robert Bork, who used to be on the Supreme Court. I think he was on the Supreme Court. Um, I think called Slouching Towards Gomorrah. And what that book was about was it was about the incremental change and advocacy of sin to normalcy. And if you gradually accept something that was once deviant and you call it normal, then it's just another step towards towards a slippery slope where eventually you'll get to that place where, ah, you know, it's a slippery slope. What happens? You fall down, right? So in America, we have a lot going on. We have the murder of the babies, right? The preborn defenseless little baby in the mother's womb is being slaughtered all over America, legally, by the way. We have the promotion of sodomy from the sodomite community all over America because wicked judges overturned the will of the people. They renamed it to marriage, which is which it is not. It's anything but. God created marriage as man, one man and one woman, period. And he created marriage, which is actually a repre- representation of the church and himself. We have rampant greed in this nation. We got debt we have idolatry. We have deviance on par with Satan's kingdom in hell. And that's why this Netflix thing is as vile as it is. And it's it's interesting to me. I, I posted today on my Facebook right before the show. I posted uh, that. Ha, have you have you canceled Netflix yet over their child porn? And I thought I thought before I wrote it, I thought. Is saying child porn too bold? Or is it actually legit, right? And I'm happy to report that it's being reported that over $9 billion Netflix has lost because people finally are standing up against this crap. And you know what? If people think that Christians or conservatives who have a moral compass on par with what God calls us to have a moral compass about can't make a difference, then ask Netflix if they're, if they're feeling the pain in their wallet right now. Because I guarantee you they are. But here's also what I know. What I know is that the church goes dun da 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 dun da da and they run into the war. Yes, they do. They get on their horses. Yeah, they are. And then and then the battle is over and then they go away and pretend like it's all back to normal. And then what happens is the evildoers, you know, the Darth Vaders of the world, you know, they, they actually go, you know, hey, we got away with it for a little bit. Let's just go ahead. Take it up a notch. Let's, let's, 
what? Take what up a notch? Nibble that. That's what yeah. they do. Yeah. Let's go ahead and do this again. And we're going to sneak it in this time. We're going to see how much we can get away with. And we know this for a fact because Randall and I have gone to the conferences where that's what that's exactly what they laid out. In fact, it was the homosexual activist community that laid it out for us to show us exactly that. The reason South Park is on the show is on TV and is so popular is because after if you guys don't know this, when South Park was presented to the world in focus groups, nobody wanted it. They all hated it. It's too vile, too deviant, too, you know, whatever, too ugly. And the executive producers thought, well, I guess they don't know that they really need this. We'll go ahead and promote it anyway. And that's what happened. Sometimes need to show people where they need to go. Yeah. And, and you know, here's the thing of the enemy. The, the thing of the enemy is that he will hook you with a sweet taste. But it's deadly poison. And it can kill you. And anybody who's ever been addicted to drugs and alcohol can tell you that. They know. Because that's how it starts. That's even in Proverbs. That's how it's described. And it's the same way with our mind. You know, and pornography. You... You know, years ago, when Hugh Hefner, the pervert that he was, isn't he dead now? I don't know if he is. I can't remember. But but when that bozo decided to, you know, start Playboy, you know, it was a soft porn. You know, by today's standards, it would it would it would it would be on TV. That's how soft it was back then. But like one thing led to another, and it's worse and worse and worse. And the the addict who is addicted to pornography. They can't tell. They can't distinguish reality from fantasy. And neither can you, really, because that's what all the emotion is about. When you're watching TV and you get all in, all enveloped in a, in a drama or a story, your brain can't tell the difference if that's real or not. But we've been so desensitized by the media that these things, especially sexually deviant things, you know... When coupled with sexual pleasuring of yourself, to put it politely, um, that those endorphins and all that stuff, it it just explodes, and you need that greater hit. It's a sexual addiction. A lot of it that is, you know. That's why, you know, for years Randall and I have been warning people. We've been talking about the reality that as America promotes sexual deviance from adultery to fornication, to homosexuality, to transgenderism, to bestiality, and then pedophilia, we're there. So I have to tell you, I personally am excited that so many people have decided to quit Netflix. Randall and I, we don't watch TV. We, we say that all the time. I watch YouTube. By and large, I watch YouTube. I have a Netflix subscription because of T-Mobile. We don't watch it. We don't have Hulu. I have Amazon Prime, although I'm getting ready to cancel Amazon as well because of the crap that they do. And, you know, what I'm telling you is, is that, that the outcry about this French film on Netflix is crazy. It's, it's actually good news. And so if you're one of the few that thinks you can give up the garbage then I applaud you for it because 
because let's let's face it we live in our fleshly body we are flesh we're drawn to flesh let's i mean there's nothing wrong with that because that's who we are but we got to control it right we have to control it we need to walk by the spirit and not fulfill the desires of the flesh that's what the bible says and that's hard when you live in a world that is like alluring to you you know i remember my very first cruise i ever went on well it was the only cruise i ever went on i remember randall and i we went to we were down in california and we were getting on this cruise i remember walking on the on the on the boat uh, the cruise ship and thinking i don't know how i could spend the four days or whatever it was on this thing it was overwhelming the the lights and the glare and the noise and the color and and all that stuff and i thought why am i here <laughs> this is like a city that i can't escape from and yet interestingly after being on the boat for a few hours i got used to the surroundings and that's what happens you know it's like the proverbial uh frog in the kettle that that's in there and then you know the water the fire is turned up and eventually it's it's boiling and it's dead right so I'm going to tell you, last night I talked to Tommy and um, on the show. If you didn't see it, go back and, um, and um, go watch the show. Pure Flix actually um, is an interesting thing. David A.R. White and his wife just got divorced, the founder of Pure Flix. So, yeah, there you go there. But anyway, back to this though. So, so last night Tommy and I were talking. And I was telling her that my dad, you know, I have, my dad lives in assisted living. Um, and assisted living is a tough job, right? I mean, you get a lot of people who I think mean well who work there. But honestly, sometimes I wonder about the caliber of people who work there because uh, they're lazy. That's been my experience in the six years almost. I've taken care of my dad who lives in assisted living. So this morning, I do this video chat with my dad. And he can't hear through through an iPad because my dad doesn't have good hearing. Just saying, and <clears throat> he um. That so they took the time to put him on a phone so I could put him on video so I could talk to him through the phone so he could actually hear me and see me at the same time. And it was an awkward conversation at at, at the best, you know. I mean, it was the best they could do. Well, I got my dad a magazine. He loves golf, so I bought him a golf magazine subscription. And, it, and my his subscription came, and I decided I'd bring it up to him to see him uh, so he could have it. When I show up to his assisted living, my dad happens to be sitting out front all by himself in, the, in a chair. And so I thought, you know, that's cool. I brought my dog with me. My dog loves my dad, so I let my dog out of the car. And my dog went over to my dad, jumped in his lap, and... I decided I was going to sit next to my dad. I made sure that I was appropriate distance away from him. I wasn't breathing on him or anything like that. And a young kid who is one of the, the, the employees at this place came out and instantly I could tell he was going to go, you can't be here. And, and so this snot came out and he looked at me and I looked at him and I said, you know, I'm going to talk to my father. You don't have to worry about me violating any ridiculous mandate or whatever. He's like, oh, no, no, no. I just came out to find out if there's anything you need. And I looked at him and I said, you know what? That's such a load of crap. You were just on the phone with me a little while ago. I said, you, you can don't have to worry about me. Okay. 
and he slunk down and he walked away. A few minutes later, another person came out, kind of like, we're watching you. Yeah, we are. We're watching you. Watch your dad. And we're going to be watching you through that window to see if you're even going to go near him or anything. And I was thinking about my conversation last night with Tommy. And I was thinking, you know, my dad's 92 years old. I was robbed of his 92nd birthday with him, taking him out, enjoying, you know, a weekend with him and stuff and all this other stuff. Oh, you're going to love this, Tommy. Uh, So I'm sitting there. Probably a half hour goes by. Again, it's just me and my dad out there on the front porch. And another resident uh, caregiver shows up, decides he wants to go in and see his mom. So he shows up, he walks in, and you can hear him yelling all the way outdoors. He's yelling at his mother because they won't let him in, and he had a mask on. And I'm sitting there, and I'm, and, and I'm like, this is so wrong, and it's so ridiculous. You have all these employees who probably go out and party, and they're around all these people. They're not being tested consistently, and these masks don't work. But here is a loving son, which, by the way, frankly, there's not a lot of son caregivers, but here's a son caregiver showing up for his mother and all this other stuff. Well, he came out, like, within five minutes. He didn't even stay long because it's an awkward thing. So within five minutes, he comes out. I'm still sitting on the floor, you know, quite a distance from my dad. And I, I motioned him. I said, come on over here. I want to talk to you. And um, so we start talking. And he basically is like, yeah, this sucks, but we have to obey the rules and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, you know, maybe, maybe there should be a time when you should stand up as a man and actually say enough is enough. This has been seven months, you know, and there's no, there's nothing proven about any of this. And then he goes on to tell me he's a Christian and, and he doesn't think there's any hope for America, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay, well, just then this woman walks out, right? And she's got, and, and she was also apparently visiting somebody in there. She has a mask on her face and she walks out and we're outdoors, mind you. And she looks directly at me. And again, I'm sitting on the floor next to my dad, like within, you know, I'm probably at least five feet from him. And she looks at me and she goes, are you visiting here? I go, yeah, I am. And she goes, don't you know visitors are supposed to be wearing a mask? I said, yeah, I heard. I said, my mask happens to be in my car. She goes, well, you need a mask. I said, I have a mask. It's in my car and I ain't wearing it. And... She looks at that guy and she's like, you should be wearing a mask. And he's like, I have a mask. Well, don't you know what the rules are? I go, I know what the rules are. My mask is in the car. So she gets in a huff as she walks out of the thing and marches back into the assisted living. And and then probably another 10 minutes goes by. By this time, this guy leaves. And again, I'm just sitting there. My dad's enjoying my dog sitting on his lap. My dog hasn't had an opportunity to sit in my dad's lap for seven months, right? So my dog is just like loving it. He's, and he's not moving. He doesn't want to move. And so then two nurses come out with masks and, um, they're like, 
don't you know we stop front porch visits because because you know you need to be wearing a mask i said i'm not gonna wear a mask and they came over they handed me a mask i said thank you for the mask i appreciate it but i ain't wearing it just so you know and i'm not wearing it for medical reasons i happen to have asthma number one and number two i ain't wearing it i said i'm sitting this far from my dad and i'm not wearing it just so you know and these two <laughs> two nurses <laughs> these two nurses were like well ma'am you have to wear it i go i ain't wearing it i said i've been sitting out here i'm outdoors i said i'm not even turned to my dad looking at him like the the spit in my mouth isn't i'm not touching my dad and they're like well you're supposed to be wearing this mask for his safety you know because we don't know who you've been around and all this other stuff and i'm like okay i i hear you i get it i know that you're doing your job i'm just telling you i ain't wearing my mask i appreciate you giving me a mask and so they're both standing there going oh my gosh what the hell do i do this is the first time i've had somebody be non-compliant and so one of the ladies says well this is for your safety for your dad's safety and for for the safety of other people and tommy i'll tell you you know what came out of my mouth what came out of my mouth was i looked at this young lady and i said let me ask you something. Do you not think that I love my dad more than you do? She's like, well, that's not the point. I go, that is the point. My father is my father. I love him more than you do or anybody else in this building does. Do you think that I would put my father at risk in some way? Well, the rule says, I said, no. Do you think I would put my dad at risk? If I was so worried that he was going to die of some fake virus thing going around, do you, do you really think I would, I would put my dad at risk? Well, we're just trying to do our job. I said, you, I said, good, you did your job. You came out here. You told me I'm supposed to wear a mask. I'm telling you I ain't doing it. And they're like, okay, we did our job. They walked away. And I ended up spending another hour with my dad on that front porch watching clouds listening to stories that my dad was saying that made no sense whatsoever because he's got dementia. And you know what? I don't care. And you know what else? I went ahead and I gave my dad a hug at the end and he kissed me and he told me he loved me and my dog got to sit with my dad as long as he wanted to because I am fed up and done. And you know what? I'm going to tell you there was one, two, three, four, wait, there's one, two, three, four, five, five people in that hour or so. It was a little over an hour. Five people came out and told me that I couldn't do what I was doing. And you know what? I did it anyway. And you know what? What can they do? Throw me out? Ban me from seeing my dad? No, they can't. And so what I'm telling you is if you're in this similar situation, Stand up for what the heck you believe in. You know what? My dad is my dad. He's 92. His desire, honestly, is to live to be 100, and I believe he'll probably make it. Unless somebody kills him. Okay? I mean, the, the man's got an immune system like you wouldn't believe. And he's got one of the most positive attitudes, and he's just sitting there laughing at me, getting all, like, in the face of these people. Like, what are they going to do? Throw me out? Okay, what are they going to do? Move him out? They need the money, people. Assisted livings are begging for people to stay in them. You know, they, they need the money. And you know what I'm going to say is 
if the virus comes to my dad and it comes to me, oh well. It is what it is. But this tyranny that we've been living under for last six months plus is absolutely ridiculous. When there's so many contradictory messages out there and the hypocrisy and the lies of the left and the media are out there promoting stuff, it's like this thing with cuties. Oh, I heard people say for years, oh, pornography, you know, oh, it's okay. Oh, you know, oh, they, they will never promote pedophilia. Really? My friend Sally Kern actually told me that she canceled Netflix a couple of years, a couple of months ago because they promoted Jesus as a homosexual. Okay. Never thought that would happen in God-fearing America. My friend Crystal, she, she shared with me uh, right before the show that Amazon Prime promotes pedophilia with their 26 original movie called I Pedophile. Why? If the devil isn't behind it and he doesn't come to kill, steal, and destroy, you explain that to me. Me and millions of other victims of sexual abuse who've stood up against the crap that's been thrown at us because the enemy wants to destroy us and make sure that we don't have a voice. Well, I'm going to tell you tonight, he's on notice because I, for one, am done. And you know what? If you don't stand up for those you love and those who can't speak for themselves, then you're going to be done. And you're not going to get what you want. I'm not going to be able to live with myself. If, I, if my dad dies tonight, you know what I'm going to go? I will be sad as hell. But what I will tell you is I will be happy that I pushed back and said, enough. This is my dad. Between Medicare and the money I'm paying my dad to keep him in that assisted living, it's $8,000 a month. Okay? So you don't tell me that... I don't have any rights when that type of cash is being laid out for my dad's care. Can I get an amen? I swear, people. You know, it is, it is just ridiculous. But Randall, anyway, you, you have a comment. I'll look at some comments over here. It, it is, Yeah. I, I'm about ready no. to start a movement with assisted living, just so you know. Because <laughs> this is so wrong. You know, the Netflix thing, you know, uh, it was the whole idea, well, this movie was made to show the exploitation, you know, to criticize the exploitation and the sexualization right. of young girls. Of course, it won an award at the Sundance Film Festival, which should tell you all that you need to know, in my not-so-humble opinion, uh, because that film festival, through the years and more recent years, yeah, it becomes the place to, to display and get accolades for all sorts of uh, debauchery and, and uh, other things. Anyway, uh, you know, but it's like... You know, well, let's, okay, let's say that, uh, well, it is. Uh, I mean, prostitution is bad. So let's make a movie showing how, you know, uh, you know, prostitutes are used and abused. But, you know, let's, let's show, you know, let's show them on the streets and how they dress and maybe what they do in hotel rooms and stuff like that to show how bad it is. We don't 
we don't need to see uh, what it is to know that it's wrong. Right. And so, you know, maybe maybe the filmmaker, this woman, her her intent was, you know, give her the benefit of the doubt, was to call attention to the sexualization of young girls. But we don't need to... You can talk about it, you know, and blur some things out, you know, or whatever. We'd, we don't need to see it played out in order to know that it's wrong. Right. And so... Yeah. Well, you know, Joel Calm, <clears throat> who I absolutely adore. Joel Calm is, is pretty popular online. He's an author. Uh, he's a Christian author. He is the co-host of the the um, the 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 what is it? The cryptocurrency podcast, something like that. He wrote on his website, and and I'm going to share this. Joel um, has had some problems in the past with pornography, and he's been open about this. So it's nothing. I'm not saying anything that he hasn't said publicly. But let's do what he wrote. He wrote. If you aren't appalled by Netflix's show, Cuties, you might just be a pedophile. The slippery slope has led us to an absolutely appalling place. I canceled my subscription today. I care more not supporting the over-sexualization of children than I do about the latest season of Ozark, Stranger Things, or any other program they air. I cannot continue giving them money, my money in good conscience. And he's got like 98 comments on this. And, um, you know... I just, I just, and then, and then he wrote, I'll add to this. If you support Netflix's decision to air this program, you might be a Gavin Newsom voter in California. And, um, and I don't think he's trying to be funny here. I think he's being dead serious. He quotes an article from the Washington Examiner, which says Governor Newsom signs controversial bill into law, reducing penalties for sexual relationships with minors, which we talked about where they, where, where they're lowering, lowering the age of consent and giving a 10-year gap for adults to have sex with children or teenagers or whatever the 10-year gap would be. I mean, it is sick. You know, and California is on fire. And I don't think that's a joke. I think it's, I think it's, uh, I think there's a huge spiritual battle going on there. Right, Rachel? There's a lot going on in California. And we need to be praying for people in California. But, um. So, Randall, do you think we should read some of this article here? Um, we could. I don't know if it's going to say anything that we haven't uh, summarized, but uh, if you want to. Well, let me ask you guys, how many of you out there are familiar with cuties? Put a, put a one if you are, and you already know about this, because I don't want to waste time reading all this stuff if if you guys already really know what, what it's about. Um, and the majority will win. <laughs> and if you're not, then we'll go ahead and we'll share a little bit about this article because it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And, you know, there's been other shows that have been, um, very questionable, you know, uh, toddlers and tiaras would be another one, uh, you know, where, where we're dressing up little girls in beauty stuff. So, okay. <clears throat> okay, so half and half. So really, so a lot of you need more info. Okay. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to read 
I'm not all of this article because it's a very long article, but I'll tweet it out over on my on my Twitter page at Stacy Harp. I'm not connected right now to my Bible News Radio one, um, but it says here why cancel Netflix is trending. How the streamer's bad marketing poster mutated into a QAnon conspiracy theory and harassment campaign. And by the way, let me just give you a slight, a little bit of a background about Q. Some of you may have heard about Q. QAnon is <clears throat> the anonymous person behind the scenes who is... Uh, um, many believe a conspiracy theorist uh, promoting things that, you know, they're trying to get the word out anonymously, and so they're called Q, okay? Um, anyway, so, you know, so some people would say, well, because Q is associated with this, this is a load of crap, you can't believe any of it, but <clears throat> you, you weigh it. So it says here, groups of conservative provocateurs, QAnon supporters, and others on social media have jumped on the release of the French coming-of-age film QTs and a trending cancel Netflix hashtag to associate the company with pedophilia. This isn't the first time that people have tried to cancel Netflix. And then they give a couple of other times. I'm not going to bother reading that, blah, blah. So then it goes down here and then it says, director, directed by somebody's name I can't pronounce. Cuties is a French movie that critiques society's sexualization of girls. The movie follows an 11-year-old uh, Senegalese, did I say that right, girl? Senegalese. Living in Paris, who dreams of joining a local dance clique. She decides to protest her parents' strict household and, jo and join the other girls in dancing their way through competitions, trying to make a name for themselves. By the way, I would also say sex traffickers. This is a this is a normal way that they get kids like this. Uh, they, you know, they lure them through through ads and things like that. Modeling, modeling, etc. Yeah, cuties uses quote uncomfortable images to provoke a serious conversation about the sexualization of girls, especially regarding girls of color. The policing of a girl's sexuality, double standards, the effect of social media on kids, and how children learn these behaviors, unquote. One critic wrote on Rob Roger Ebert, who, in case you didn't know, um, is um, a film critic. I believe he's dead, too. I think Robert, I think Rob Roger Ebert is actually dead, but I could be wrong. I'm not sure, but I think he's dead. Anyway. Anyway. The intent is to show that our children should have the time to be children, she told Time Magazine this month. And using imagery about exploited youth, this director wants to hit home just how important innocence is and how much it's taken for granted today. The film even won the World Cinematic Dramatic Directing Award at Sundance Film Festival this year, and it was widely praised for its depiction of the pressures of girlhood, Netflix secured the global streaming rights to the film with Variety, noting at the time that Cuties would be translated into more than 50 languages or 40 languages. Under the Netflix umbrella, the film would stream in 190 different territories that Netflix operates in, including France, where it had domestic distribution. Attacks on the movie began before people had even seen the film. Criticisms lobbed against Cuties came from people who saw a poster and assumed the film was one thing. As the backlash grew, it became apparent that criticism was disingenuous based on preconceived notions of what the movie was uh, without having sat down to watch it, which is why Netflix only made it worse. By the way, 
before I even read that part about Netflix, what I find interesting is we've had Christian film or very conservative film uh, in the past where uh, people have lob, lob, done the exact same thing. They've lobbed criticism again, uh, against it without ever watching it. And uh, there's been kickback because of that. Um, and it's not fair on either um, on either side, right? But there is a double-edged sword with this because if the true intent is to expose the exploitation of kids and girls of color in particular, then in order to make the film, you have to exploit a girl of color to do it. You don't have to. Well, apparently they did, though. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. So, Netflix gaffe, despite the film existing for some time, it wasn't until August that people really became aware of it. In August, Netflix tweeted a teaser for the movie's release date that came with a new poster designed by Netflix's team. The new poster seemed to present a different type of movie than the one uh, that that person made. The original French poster framed the main cast of the girls as that young girls walking through the streets of Paris, waving around their shopping bags and having fun. Netflix now deleted posters, positioned the girls as older characters, similar to post posters uh, for other dance movies like Step Up. And then it shows the comparison, right? So, and there is quite the comparison. In, do in, want to do you want to show that? You guys want to see the comparison? Put a yes if you want to see the comparison. If you don't, then it doesn't matter. It's actually on the on the article. Yeah, I but I've got the reader view up, but I'll bring the posters up. So anyway, then the article goes on to say, We're deeply sorry for the inappropriate artwork that we use for cuties, a statement posted on Netflix's account on August 20th read. It was not okay, nor was it representative of this French film, which won an award at Sundance. By the way, I will have to say also, they want to see that they, okay, so they do. It was up. Okay. So, by the way, Sundance, just so you know, I know everybody hears about the Sundance Film Festival. It's the film festival to be in, but you do know that the Sundance Film Festival promotes a lot of crap, right? I mean, they're on the cutting edge of promoting some of the worst deviancy out there. Um, and it's like, I wouldn't be proud that I was at Sundance. Let's put it that way. Um, (laughs) so then it says here, a statement and removal of the poster didn't clear everything up by September 3rd, a Turkish media watch group demanded the film be banned from Netflix in Turkey over concerns that the movie promoted child exploitation. Reuters reported several high profile Uh, Conservative commentators picked up the story, too. They started tweeting about Netflix grooming children and arguing that it's pedophilia soft porn. Former NRA spokesperson Dana Dana Loesch, or however his name, Lash, demanded Netflix remove the film entirely. The accusations lobbed at Netflix also found their way to the... uh, That person who told Deadline she received countless death threats. I received numerous attacks on my character from people who had not seen the film who, who... thought I was actually making a film that was apologetic about hypersexualization of children. And then um, it says here, she received some support from celebrities and high-profile Twitter users like Tessa Thompson, who noted she was disappointed by Netflix marketing campaign, but she understood people's response to the post, but it doesn't speak to the film I saw. Again, much of the complaints at the time were coming from people who hadn't seen the movie. 
while defenses came in from people who had. A Rolling Stones critic wrote, out of, out of context, the girls' outfits look questionably flashy and trashy. Seen in context as the costumes for a hip-hop dance troupe competing for a grand prize, you understand how they function in regards to a bigger picture message that this person is trying to get across. And then Netflix's co-CEO, Ted Sarandos, called that person to personally apologize for the poster the team created. She's currently working on another project for Netflix and told Deadline that despite the negativity associated with the poster, she had many back-and-forth conversations with Netflix to avoid this happening in the future. Meanwhile, a new wave of attacks has happened. The cancel Netflix trend picked up again on September 9th out alongside Cutie's release, but unlike the original controversy a few weeks prior, attacks online became far more aggressive and targeted. The fact that Cuties is streaming on Netflix, a big entertainment company with deep tech roots that's perceived as liberal, also plays into this equation. Tech companies with liberal-leaning policies have found themselves at the center of anger and discourse from right-wing and conservative groups. Netflix deciding to carry an, an evocative film of this nature easily lends itself to those critics. And then it goes on to say, conservative provocateurs like Steven Crowder and conspiracy theorists like Alex Jones dedicated videos to calling out the leftist media that praise cuties. Writers and personalities from conservative publications like The Daily Caller and Breitbart also criticized the film's content. And it goes on and on and on. It's very long. The point is that Netflix blew it. And Here's my challenge to you people. My challenge is if you happen to be one that has actually canceled over this situation, you, you actually did it. You're like, I'm cutting the cord. No more Netflix. My challenge is stay off Netflix. Don't do it. Don't, don't re-sign up because what they're going to do, and I know this because I've canceled them before, what they're going to do in a week or two or a month is they're going to send you an opportunity to have a free month of Netflix on them. And then they're going to lure you with a lower price to try to get you back because they've lost a lot of money. So you need to make a, 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 a firm decision about what you're going to do when that happens. Are you going to send your Netflix email to spam so you don't even see it? What are you going to do? I've done this with Hulu. You know, I canceled Hulu, I don't know, two years ago or something because I, I started seeing homosexuality all over it. I'm like, you know what? I, this is bull. I ain't watching this crap. I, as much as I love Shark Tank, I can go to YouTube and subscribe to Shark Tank if I want to watch Shark Tank, you know. Um, and you can do that too. I mean, YouTube, as much as I hate Google, at least with YouTube, you can pick and choose what stuff you watch. Amazon? Amazon Prime is filled with a lot of garbage, and they're centering ex-homosexuals. They won't carry Christian books that promote healing for, for homosexuality if they want. You know, and I didn't even know about that pedophile movie. That makes me mad, too. And by the way, you probably are spending more money on shipping than you think uh, with your Prime membership if you happen to be a Prime user. <clears throat> <clears throat> so you got to make a choice. And as for me and my household, we have made the choice to pretty much cut the cord. Like I said, I pretty much watch YouTube. And I watch 
preachers on YouTube most of the time. Um, and funny, I, I do like the dodo videos with, with dog, like me and Randall were watching some like dogs that were dog rescues, dog rescues and <laughs> rehabilitation and, and stuff like that. But I mean, really you got to ask yourself, what good is this? What good is it for your mind? You know, how are you going to stand up against the wily darts of the enemy if you are in his camp enjoying what he's eating? You know, I mean, how are you supposed to taste good food when you're eating the crap food of the mind? You know, that's that's a serious question. All right. Over on Facebook, uh, Mia says it's totally different. Um, Probably the posters and. She says, I did and told them why I won't go back. I suppose she's talking about, uh, did cancel Netflix and told them why she did and she's not going back. So, good for you. All right. Awesome. Okay. So, let's see if there's any other comments. Yeah. So, Danielle says she watches Pure Flix. You know, I have to tell you, Danielle, I, I subscribed to Pure Flix in the beginning, but I honestly couldn't stomach it. And and not because because, um, th- let me put it this way: I couldn't stomach it because most of what they had on Pure Flix was so badly produced and done that as much as I love quote Christian content content and clean movies, I just couldn't bear it. I mean, I personally couldn't bear it. Maybe they put some better stuff up there since I subscribed first, but I couldn't I couldn't deal with it. And you know, it's interesting because I said earlier. Um, that David A.R. White, who founded Pure Flix, him and his wife, they just got divorced. There's a there's a there's an article over on on the Christian Post about it, and you know of course they got divorced a while ago, and they just decided to go public, and of course now they're asking people to keep let them keep their privacy. To which I'm going, why did you make it public if you don't want people to know? I mean, it, it's it's sad. I mean that's sad. Just so you know, that's sad. Well, probably because it's a matter of public record. You that's know, what your husband said about it. Yeah, so you get it. You know, if they if they went to divorce court, then it's a matter of public record, and so I probably had to. Oh, good. You know, so I'm not the only one it. that thought Pure Flix was kind of eh. Yeah, I mean, there. You know, there. It was good when I watched it with my granddaughter. Yeah, you know, I guess there's. I mean, there's some good shows. But here's what I would encourage you to do, honestly. If you have a favorite show, buy it on DVD, you know, and and watch it. I mean, you know, so anyway, I am, um, I need to <clears throat> drink some water. Anyway, do you, you had something you want to talk about, Randall. Well, there's this other story from the virologist or virologist. So I've heard it but both didn't, ways. But didn't you want to talk about something else before? Nothing that I can sum up in two minutes. Well, we got but, at least ten minutes or more if we want. But there's that other story that. Ah, oh, forget was, that story. Well, it's in the title, so. It oh, was, it is. Okay. Yeah. You want to read it then? Give my eyes a break because my glasses are somewhere else. <laughs> so that's what this is all about. You don't care what I have to say. You're just looking for a. Looking for a. It's a trick of the trade, people. Yeah, it is. Well, actually, do you want to take a break? Um, whatever. All right. Well, now we're going to take a break. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. Let's pretend that we're at a break right now. Okay. So here's the thing. Um, I feel like 
I've been yelling. Maybe because I talked to my dad today for a long time and I was yelling so that he could hear me. But anyway, um, you know, the only thing I want to say during this break is make America great again by voting this this coming election. Definitely vote and make sure you, you research who you vote for and you make sure you know what they believe before you cast your vote for them. That's one thing. Number two, uh, if you want to support us with a financial donation, you can do that at BibleNewsRadio.com forward slash give, and that gift is tax deductible. Thank you for doing that, those of you who do that. Uh, the third thing I want to tell you is that we're in, we have a Daily Disciples Facebook group where if you need help and accountability being, uh, being a Daily Disciple, then I, I want you to join that group. Just go there. Just Google Daily Disciple. You'll see it. It's like a pretty colored, you know, banner. And just ask to join on Facebook. I'll let you in. I'm really happy today. I was talking to, uh, <clears throat> I um, was emailing back and forth with my friend Pam Gillespie, who has written numerous preset Bible studies. Uh, she has agreed to come in and be a reader for us as well. So I'm super excited to have Pam join us. Um, hopefully next week she'll be joining us. Hopefully we'll get her in there and she'll be going through Psalms with us as well as everybody else that's in there. Um, and just go and be encouraged. Be encouraged in the word of God. Tomorrow, go to church. You know, if you're if you're not going to a local church, if you can't in your area, uh, try to fellowship with somebody online anyway, at the very least. Our Christian walk isn't meant for us to be alone. You know, in fact, I was reading through my Facebook memories and it was one year ago uh, today that I wrote about how, for me, it was a 10-year journey out of the church to get back into the local church. Um you know, there really is power in in-person fellowship. Um, and even though they've tried to depersonalize the in-person fellowship, it's better than nothing, right? We got persecuted brothers and sisters all over the world who are meeting in underground churches all over the world with the threat of their lives. If they're caught, they can literally be thrown in jail. And fourth, pray for the government. Pray for the government and pray for your pastor. You know, you don't know what your pastor's going through. Um, and there are real shepherds out there who are really, truly burdened for their people. And there's a lot of hirelings there too. And you need to be reading so that you can discern which is which. Uh, so that's, that is my, those are my announcements. How's that? Okay. That's, that's that. And back to Randall. I think he's coming back. There he is. <laughs> I don't know if I was supposed to say back to you or what. What do you want me to do? Well, I thought you wanted to read that viral ology story. Yeah, um, sure. Well, the gist of it is, is that there is a virologist, virologist, um, whatever, uh, you know, I've heard it both ways. Okay. Uh, that... Worked at a, well, I'll just pick it up from here. Respected Chinese virologist, Dr. Li Mengyan, who specialized in virology and immunology at the Hong Kong School of Public Health, claimed that Beijing knew about the coronavirus well before reports began to emerge. She has since been forced to flee Hong Kong, fearing her life is in danger, and appeared today on Loose Women... <laughs> I don't know what kind of show that is, but probably means not what you think it means. Uh, from a secret location, revealing the Chinese government had, re quote, removed all her information, unquote, from government databases. 
Dr. Ann claimed that reports that COVID-19 originated at a wet market in Wuhan are a smokescreen and that she plans to publish a report that she claims has evidence the virus is man-made. Um, and just scrolling down, basically, she says that um, the genome sequence is like a human fingerprint, she said, and based on this, you can identify these things. I will use this evidence to tell people why this has come from the lab in China, uh, why they are the ones who made it. And that's really not news. That's been a um, that's been an allegation uh, for a long time. And she says, um, you know, she's basically got the proof of it. Um, apparently, it says the the virologist was based at a prestigious Hong Kong university, one of uh, the world's leading centers for researching infectious diseases and a key part of the World Health Organization's global epidemi epidemiology network. I can speak and read. See how hard it is. Yeah. It's harder than I make it look. Jan said she was one of the first scientists to study the coronavirus that would be known as COVID-19 and claims at the end of December 2019, she was asked by her supervisor at the university to look into an odd cluster of SARS-like cases that had erupted in mainland, in mainland China. Uh, through her medical and scientific contacts, she claims to have stumbled upon a cover-up of epic proportions, but her evidence about human transmission and claims Beijing deliberately distorting details of the virus origins were ignored. I won't go on to uh, read it all, but, um, you know, uh, many people eat genetically modified organisms all day, uh, whereas no one can create life in a lab, uh, and viruses aren't, well, they're almost non-living things. I remember from high school biology, a great definition of, of viruses and viruses that they are the closest uh, living things to being non-living. And that's because while they are alive, they can be killed, they don't carry on live processes of their own. When you look at what happens in a cell, um, plant cell, animal cell, whatever it is, and processes that go on with all the different organelles inside of a cell, a virus doesn't have any of that. It's, uh, it's just a strand of RNA or DNA inside of a protein or a fat shell, and the way it uh, reproduces is by injecting that genetic material into another cell so that it will reproduce more of that virus. They don't do anything in and of themselves they're not a reproducing cell uh, they don't have the wherewithal to do that which makes them seem kind of demonic in a way but if you know if you were, if you were going to sequence dna or rna you know in a lab um you know something to kind of seems like on the lower level of constructing stuff would be a virus. Uh, you know, if you already had some genetic material to start with that was familiar, some other virus, some other coronavirus, there are many, all of the flus, influenza A and B and, you know, H1N1 and H1N1 and, you know, whatever. And the Hong Kong flu back in the late 60s and Anyway, all of that, those are all types of coronaviruses. They are, they are these spiked 
uh, viruses with a fat shell, which is, by the way, um, coconut oil is a good thing to fight against those kinds of viruses because of the lauric acid in that uh, yeah. will, will break capsules. will break down the, the fat enclosure of those uh, viruses, keeping them from you know, destroying them so they don't inject. Anyway, go ahead. I just want to say that I should acknowledge everybody. So Tracy is over on YouTube. And so is Barb and Forrest and Angie and Ivan's son. And they've all made comments over there. You guys, yes. sorry that, you know, when I'm on a rant, it's hard for me to read comments. But I do see you. So thank you for all those comments and everybody over there, too. You guys, there's so many of you tonight over there on uh, Periscope. So appreciate you guys coming in, you know. And that's what it's about, right? Being a family. I'm, I'm going to sing. Okay, ready? <clears throat> Wait. Let's see if I can remember the words. Okay. Here we go. You never know what I'm going to say, do you? You're like, okay, what song is she going to sing? Will I know it? You will. Some of you will because you're as old as I am. Okay. So here it is. <clears throat> if you know this, sing it with me. Okay? Type the words out because you'll know it. <clears throat> Happy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, hey. Okay. Sorry. I couldn't resist. Uh, everybody knows happy birthday. <laughs> Uh, okay, anyway, okay, so no, the real song is, um, it's this one. <laughs> I'm sorry, couldn't resist. <laughs> okay, ready? All right. Here we are, gathered together as a family. You know that song, right? Bound as one, lifting up our voices to the King of Kings. Okay, singing hallelujah, holy is his name. It's way too high for me to sing. <laughs> so you're going to sing a lower harmony. I can't because I'm like middle-aged and my voice has gone lower. But anyway, the bottom line is, I think you know what I'm talking about. I think that's a Maranatha song. I think so. <laughs> probably late 70s. You know what? One thing I could used to I could used to sing like like super high soprano, and now I can't because I just can't. Because you're older now. Or we are one in the spirit. We are one in the Lord. We are one in the spirit. We are one in the Lord. You know what's interesting? And, yes. As you know, I've. Uh, for my adult life, I consider myself a baritone, um, but I've found myself in church choir where there are no tenors. Right. And it's like, well, I can hit most of those notes if I put some air behind them. And I'm finding just with practice that, um, anyway, my, my range is actually <laughs> getting extended upward instead of getting lower as I age. And so so you, you should sing something. Um, something on my shoulders <laughs> <laughs> makes me happy. <laughs> what on my shoulders? Uh, anyway. That's sunshine. <laughs> I know. Uh, I listen to Maranatha music during the Jesus movement. Me cry. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So Rachel says her husband's a tenor, and you remind me a lot of him. Randall sings Boom, better. Face or me? No, no, no. Uh, um, <laughs> Rachel. 
So I know, but which one of us reminds her? It's of... not me. <laughs> I, you I'm know, just, just messing with y'all. Uh, well, you know, it was really cool. A couple of days ago in Daily Disciples, Psalm 57 was read, and I actually wrote a song from those verses in Psalm 57. Well, you used another psalm, but the same verses appear. Yep. Yeah. Very true. All right. Well, anyway, so... And, of course, I thought of the song when I read those verses as well. Yeah, you did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, do you guys want to talk about anything else? Cause well, I do. Up... Oh, cause... Bareface wants to, so... Um, just in short, just as we were talking with um, Tommy yesterday... And just popped into my mind as we were talking about what was going on with riots and and Black Lives Matter. Not that Black Lives Matter, but the organization Black Lives Matter, which we've called attention to, that uh, foster a queer-affirming network and that are are intent on freeing themselves from the tight grip of heteronormative thinking and and, uh, disrupting the Western prescribed nuclear family and and all that kind of stuff. Which we happen to be representative of. Yeah, I know. But, you know. We're so boring. Again, you go read their What We Believe page on <laughs> blacklivesmatter.com. It, it has little to do with black lives and a lot to do with sexual anarchy. And and actually disrupting the things that plague the inner city black community. I mean, or actually enforcing the things that... Yeah. So it's not it's not about... Yeah, the name is totally misleading. It's a uh, it's a Marxist organization. Anyway, shoes of peace says sounds like socialism in another d- dirty dress. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly and what it so, is. And so, anyway, the stuff going on with Antifa or Antifa or whatever you want to however you want to pronounce it, Antifa, and, uh, as opposed to Uncle Fa. Okay, Antifa. Sorry, that was bad. Anyway, but. Anyway, just thinking about this stuff, and it's like there's nothing new under the sun. If I were to um, tell you about, okay, whether these protests that are going on that uh, involving street riots and smashing windows and blocking traffic and setting fires and vandalizing and, and beating innocent bystanders, you'd be thinking, oh, Portland, Oregon, or, you know, whatever. Uh, how about uh, Germany in the 1930s? Um it's there's no new tactics under the sun when uh when it comes the way dictators have come to power is by these um uh paid social operatives or these paid operatives that uh are not directly tied to the the revolutionaries that are funding them or they tried to you know Make that a secret. Uh, that was the same in Nazi Germany. The Nazis, well, before it became Nazi Germany, Nazi wanted to, the Nazis wanted to come to power, and the way to do that was to destabilize a government, and that started with the, um, the so-called brown shirts, the stormtroopers. Uh, see if I can get the German name right. Uh, Sturmenteilung. Sturmenteilung. Anyway. Um, Just say it with conviction like you know how to say it. Sturmabteilung. I don't know. Anyway, but the stormtroopers. Uh, and, you know, these were 
paid operatives to go in there and cause disruption and and shout down dissenting voices and stuff like that and and they caused this um political unrest and uh causing fear and you know that kind of thing um headed up by a radical homosexual by the way and that's not revisionist history. I mean, you can go back and read Time magazine in 1934. Homosexuality has done so much good for our country, yeah. don't you think? Um, yeah. Um, uh, Ernst Röhm, he was um, he was a homosexual activist. You can go back again, Time magazine, 1934. It was well known that the early Nazis were homosexual activists. A lot of them were. Yeah, um, the Pink Triangle. Yep. Yeah. Um, again, that's not revisionist history. You can go back and look, period, you Actually, know, stuff written at the I time. I mean, it's the pink swastika. By pink swastika, um, yeah. And, and if you want to know more about that, look up Dr. Scott Lively. Yeah. And you can find his website. He did a whole book on it. You can download it for free on his website. The homosexual activists hate this guy because he's exposed the, the history of that. Yeah. And again, it's 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 not it's not something invented by conservatives in the twenty first century. You nope. can go back and read stuff from the thirties. It was it was well known that the early Nazis were homosexual activists. Anyway, so you know, under the leadership of Ernst Röhm and the the Sturmabteilung, Sturmabteilung, the stormtroopers, uh, you know. Basically, same kind of tactics uh, with the riots and the burnings and the vandalism and all that, and eventually getting you know to Kristallnacht, the night of glass breaking, you know, aimed against the Jews and all that, and same like same playbook, totally. And then and then the uh, and then the Nazis step in. Oh, you know, the world's you know, or Germany's under. You know, all this unrest, political unrest and stuff like that, even though they started it, but, you know, distanced themselves from it, came in like the, the heroes and then killed all the, um, all the stormtroopers. You can read about that too. Well known history. By the way, and then, just so you know, if you go to scottlively.net, that's scott, L-I-V-E-L-Y dot net forward slash T-P-S which stands for the pink swastika, you can download the fifth edition of that book online for free. Mm. So you can read it. There's four chapters in it. I'll, I'll go ahead and tweet out the link on my Stacey Harp Twitter, since I'm not in my Bible News Radio one. Anyway, so that was, that was a tactic then to install a dictator, is to have these paid operatives go in, store up all this stuff, uh, riots and burning and looting and all this stuff and then the book burnings and all that and uh, et cetera, et cetera. Same stuff we're seeing today. And then uh, the Nazi party came in like the heroes. Oh, there's all this lawlessness and unrest and this divisiveness in the country. You know, they picked the Jews as, a, as the scapegoat to that's what's wrong with our country. And that's what that's what's you know that's why the economic problems we're in and and they just created a scapegoat and created this unrest so that their party could come to power, and but they came in as the heroes to, uh, you know to to squelch all this and and you know bring calm and all this and they and they 
killed all the brown shirts. Look it up. Night of the Long Knives. Uh, you know, and then, then hailed themselves as the heroes. Killed all their operatives, the people that <laughs> paid to create this unrest, to bring them to power. And and then, of course, they took they took their you know they took notes from the Russian Revolution. Uh, you know, earlier in the century. That wasn't a, just a homegrown, just people upset with the, you know, the bourgeois or whatever. And, and the Russians are that, you know, it was just, it was just a homegrown, you know, just political unrest. It was, it was Stalin wanting to come to power and a small group of people wanting to be the dictators. And, you know, they started all the same stuff, rioting, street blocking, uh, looting, fires, you know, all this kind of stuff, burning the state capital and all this same, same old stuff. And that's how, how the communists came to power in Russia. They created this instability and, 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 you know, uh, exploited it and then, Oh, we've got the solution. We've got the solution to the instability that we created and, <laughs> and stepped in and, that's and so similar thing in Iran. I wasn't there, but you know, late seventies. I was just a just a kid. But you know, we can argue whether or not the Shah was, uh, you know, good for Iran or whatever. You know, backed by the U.S. and all that. But it was starting all these. You know, the opposing party started all this, all these riots and unrests, and especially in the universities and stuff like that, and shouting down oppressors and uh the cancel culture and all that and and eventually toppled the government there and and brought in their dictator the ayatollah khomeini um and that's the way that i mean we go back to you know cambodia and whatever just world over the world over where dictators come to power we, cuba uh, Cuba, uh, you know, it's it's with this they create this unrest, they create these riots and stuff like that. It's paid. It's you know, it's not homegrown. Just the public getting, you know, fed up with the government is the they create this unrest and these riots. And they pay people to start it, and then they come in as the saviors to calm things down and restore order and all that. And then they're the then. Then before it's too late, you know, people realize they're in power and they're the they're the dictators, not just the next government, but you know. Yep. Yeah, they're talking about the Hegelian dialect as well. Okay. Over there. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's it's basically the same the same thing. And you know, just going back to the issue of homosexuality, if you haven't gone to my YouTube page and I know that there's some of you over there. We're getting close to 500 subscribers, which for Ooh. us is a big deal because we don't advertise and we don't, you know, nothing like that. If you donate to us, though, we might start, so we'll have some money to do that. But um, I have, if you go to my YouTube, it's it's youtube.com forward slash Bible News Radio. If you subscribe to the channel, that's good. If you like the video once you're there, that's good because more people will see it. And then here's the thing. If you go into the search bar on my page and type in the marketing of homosexuality to America, I did an eight or nine, nine hour series uh, on the book 
After the Ball, which is all about how homosexuality was marketed to America, written by two homosexual activists. I literally took that book apart. I, I t took the time to type out word for word in a PowerPoint, and I presented it on that show as a class. I probably should finish it, but, you know, eight hours worth at least of the history of that from that book will give you a hugely solid uh, head start and background on how that was even marketed to us. Um, and how they intentionally did it. They, they did it with the intent to go after the church. And you don't, you don't see that until the very end of the series and the end of the book. But they have, um, you know, they have charts and they talk about the different types of, you know, brainwashing tactics, the jamming and, and, you know, all these other things by, you know, they, they intentionally, they even wrote about how, the stereotype for homosexuality in general is a stereotype because it's a legit stereotype. Bathhouses and parks and, you know, that type of thing where they did deviant acts there, you know, their goal was to whitewash what it was about and go, okay, we want you to look like um, Beaver Cleaver's father and put him in a suit. And then you're like, oh, that's what homosexual really is. It's just a normal guy. Uh-uh. It's not, but that marketing is what they did. And they talked about flooding and, you know, begin to put so many images on TV, so much so they, and they actually used the analogy that they would use a shower, you know, and it'd be like pretty, you know, at first you're just getting sprinkled on, it's no big deal. And then pretty soon they're just going to shower you and shower you and shower you with it. And that's, I mean, it's gone way over the top now. They've done, they've done it. Um, but the same tactics are being used to promote pedophilia. And that's why, again, going back to this Netflix thing, the outrage against that is legit because I actually have friends that I love that are, that are master's level therapists like I am who go, well, I agree with homosexuality. I think that there's nothing wrong with it. And I can go, yeah, but yet 40 years ago, everybody thought it was deviant. You know, you didn't know a homosexual 20 years, you know, 40 years ago. Um, you didn't because they were, quote, in the closet, right? And yet today, the percentage is still 1% to 3% of the population. It's no 10, 20, 30, 40, 50% like they would, like, make you believe. I mean, just, you know, how many of you actually legitimately know hang out with a gay friend of yours? Most people I know don't have gay friends unless they're in that community. And that's that's the thing, right? So, I mean... Um, check that out if you, if you want, if you can tolerate me for eight hours on video, <laughs> then check it out. Uh, watch that. Well, I was going to say one other thing too. Oh yeah. The other thing I was going to say was when I went to a conference as a spy, as a therapist, it was a counseling conference because that's my background. I went, uh, and, and I remember the lesbian psychologist who was heading up this conference actually said, no longer use the word homosexual. Don't use it. We don't ever use that word. Of course, some Christians would go, don't use the word sodomite. But if you look at homosexuality mentioned in the Bible, in Leviticus, etc., the word sodomite is used in the King James Version. Well, that seems so harsh. Well, why does this seem harsh? Because it's a reference to Sodom and the behavior that takes place. Well, that's harsh. Have you looked at the medical research that shows what damage happens to the rectum, etc.? 
when that act takes place? Well, we don't want to do that. And I remember this lesbian psychologist saying we don't want to use the term homosexual because we want to desexualize homosexual. We want to desexualize the topic. That's why we use gay because we there's no sexual connotation to gay. In fact, it's become a sexual orientation. So we can't. It's an orientation. Well, what the heck's an orientation? Generally speaking, when you and me think of an orientation, we think of it as an introduction, like we're going to go to orientation to learn about this hotel, you know, or whatever, you know, uh, it's an orientation. No, it's not. It's made up that all the gender, gender confusion out there, it's, it's made up baloney. That's me being nice. Cause that's not what I really want to say people, but it's, you know, God made me male and female. He didn't make transgender. He didn't make any mistakes. Yes, sometimes biology gets screwed up. Things happen genetically, but God did not make them that way. Okay? There, we live in a sin-sick fallen world. And God would not be so mean to put you in the wrong body. Just saying. God does not do that. He doesn't make mistakes. He fearfully and wonderfully makes everybody personally. He takes nine months to do it, by the way. You know, he takes a couple of weeks to do certain things, a couple of months to do other things. He takes almost a year to make you. And God isn't stupid. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't, he doesn't like go, oh my gosh, uh, I'm going to make Stacey Lynn Harp and give her a male spirit inside of a female body. That doesn't happen. And what really gets me is people who believe that lie, that's exactly what they're believing, is the lie. And ultimately behind this movement, aside from the devil himself, is the lie that we can be our own God, you know, and that was the lie of the devil. You know what? Hey, if you eat of that fruit, you're going to be like God. Ooh, that's what I want to do. I want to be God. No, we can't be God. We, we would be the dumbest gods ever. You know, I, I think about the demigods. That should be say dummy God because they're dumb. I mean, think of all the dumb things demigods do. I mean, all the so-called gods of mankind are some of the dumbest, I mean, dumb. <laughs> we serve we, we serve the one true living God who's loving, wise, all-knowing, all-powerful, who doesn't make mistakes, uh, while us trying to pretend we're God, um, like, yeah, right. Have you, have you actually ever seen somebody as a man try to do something like God and make it perfect? Can you imagine if a man created the world, what that would look like? Oh, wait, no. How about a man trying to clone something? Yeah, that's worked out real well, people. I... <laughs> It doesn't work. It doesn't work. And so we are we are created to worship the one true living God. But here's the thing. Satan doesn't want you to worship the one true living God. He wants you to worship yourself. How well is that working out for you? You know, you know, one of the, and just this is a mini rant, but one of the things that really gets on my nerves is, is this whole idea of you creating the best version of yourself and blah, blah, blah. It's all about you and you're good enough and all this other stuff. And I said this the other day, you're not good enough. If you were good enough, you wouldn't need the Lord. Only Jesus is good enough. You are not good enough. Except for the fact that God made you. He loves you. You're good enough for him. But in your own strength, you're not. You can't do it.
You know, you need God. You can't walk through life on your own trying to figure out your life on your own. You just can't do it. If we could, why do you think that there's so much drug addiction out there and alcoholism and sex addiction and gambling and all the things of the flesh that the Bible exposes sin? That's man trying to be God. And it don't work. It don't work. And yet they look at us and they go, oh, you're so stupid. <clears throat> you're such a, you need Jesus. He's a crutch. Yeah, you are. You're, you're a dumbbell believing that Jesus is going to come back. And that stupid book you read is a book of fairy tales. Really? To which I would say, have you ever read it? And they'll go, no, never read it. Because why would I read the book of fairy tales? Well, then I go, well, why don't you read it and then come back to it and tell me later what you think if you actually had the guts. Bring it on. I dare you. I dare you to read the Bible. Because when you actually read the Bible and you look at that, it's a, it's a reasonable faith. In Isaiah, God says to his people, come let us reason together. Now, if God didn't want us to reason together, then why would he say that? He's smart, right? Who do you think made your brain? I know some of you probably don't think you have a brain and you probably don't because of how you act. But the reality is, is that God made your brain and you don't use most of it. And neither do I because we don't have that capacity yet, right? But we have people who go, oh, yes, I'm so great. <laughs> You're not that great. What makes you great is that God made you. And, you know, you got to worship him and, and people that worship the universe. I just want to smack him one. I'm like, what part of the universe are you worshiping? The Milky Way? The Saturn? Are you worshiping Pluto or Uranus? I mean, really, what are you worshiping? The moon? Why not worship the one that made all of that? It's that makes more sense to me than just like, oh, the universe, the vibrations of the universe. Oh, the vibrations are coming my way. Yeah, they are. I'm picking up good vibrations. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I know I'm I'm being a little slight mocker and scoffer of the New Age movement, but I can't help it because it's so stupid. Um, because it doesn't make any sense. You know, it's about oh yes, our higher consciousness. <laughs> it's like oh, it's just so it's so simple to just read the Bible and go oh that's how it works. <laughs> it makes. It makes, it makes something, right? So anyway. All right. So you guys got any comments besides snarky ones that I'm reading over here? Uh, people were inspired by God to write the Bible, Stephen Weston. So you, you might want to learn some history. Number one, why don't you go get a book called Evidence That Demands a Verdict by Josh McDowell. You read that book and then you come back and say what you just said. Dare you. You do that. All right, so what, let's see. Um, is anything else? Okay. All right, I think that's it. But thank you guys for coming in. Okay, Randall, you want to say anything else? Um, no. My eyes are tired. Yeah. Because I didn't wear my glasses, which I should, because they're in my other room. Yeah. So, yeah, probably time to start uh, wrapping this up. Yes, Josh McDowell is an older man. He is. His son actually co-wrote the book, though. Sean the, the, the revised version, yeah. Yeah. So, but anyway, it doesn't just because he he's old doesn't mean anything. It, his research is valid. He 
wrote it when he was a, a younger man. Young man. Da, 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 da. <laughs> YMCA. And like many, wrote that about book. about our gay culture, yeah. Anyway, anyway. Wrote, <laughs> anyway Sorry. He, I had no idea that was about homosexuality when that song came out. <laughs> the, you know, the... The I'm genesis sorry. for that book. <laughs> it's not the book of Genesis, but... <laughs> <laughs> the you know, beginning of that book. Josh McDowell himself was an atheist and a skeptic. Yeah, it's a great was, book. And was challenged in his beliefs. Um, yes, I do remember Anita Bryant, actually. Yep. Yep. Again, villainized in the yep. mainstream media for taking a moral stand. Yeah. All right, so tomorrow night, should we return and the rapture doesn't happen first, what we will say is that um, I, uh, Randall, is going to be continuing our book in our Bible study in the book of Jude, which reminds me, if you want to join my Bible study in the book of Jude, I'm going to be wrapping up the book of Jude finally in my every other week Tuesday night Bible study, uh, which won't be this week, but it'll be next week. So if you want to be a part of that, let me know. Uh, I'll put you on my email list and you can come out and join the Zoom with Zoom meeting with me next week, not 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 this coming week, but the week after. Um, and we'll finish the book of Jude together. It's a great book. If you haven't read Jude, go. it's got 25 verses in it, I think, or maybe 26. I think it's 25 verses. It's one chapter, but it's packed with Old Testament history and warnings against the apostate church of today, which is here. We are living here in in the end times that Jude predicted. And, um, um, we live in exciting times and the Lord's coming back. And if you guys are in the Daily Disciples Facebook group, go in there. I posted a video of Pastor Jack Hibbs today that somebody took, put on. He talked about how there was a thousand people that showed up at Pacific Ocean to get baptized today. Uh, so I don't know about you, but I think the heavens are rejoicing. I think the angels in heaven are rejoicing now. Because the Bible says that when one sinner repents, the angels in heaven rejoice. And, uh, the devil don't like that, but I, I know God does. So that's, that's a great thing. And contrary to the guy I talked to at the assisted living, who doesn't think there's hope for America. I think there is hope for America. And one other thing I want to tell you is that, um, I saw a tweet that Janet Parshall tweeted out. I'm going to tell you really fast what it is, uh, talking about a prayer march, 2020.com. It's two weeks. It's, in, it's going to be in about two weeks down in Washington, D.C. Uh, you can go to prayermarch2020.com and learn more. Uh, September 26th, Franklin Graham is heading it up. Um, and um, watch what God does. Yep. All right. That's it. So thanks for coming in, everybody. Hope you have a good night. Get some rest. Go to fellowship tomorrow. Pray for the president. Pray for your pastor. Uh, pray for America. And be bold, stand up, go with God, because he loves you. Yeah, he does.